Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And welcome back to the First Cut Podcast here on CBS Sports. It is Sunday afternoon on the East Coast. It is early Sunday evening out at Royal Portrush. And the champion golfer of the year is Shane Lowry. Just a, a really tremendous scene as a, a 63 on Saturday turned into a bit of a coronation 72 on Sunday. We've got Mark Immelman. We've got Kyle Porter. Uh, these gentlemen have been just grinding on CBS Sports HQ to give you all of the greatest content there. So make sure, as always, you're watching CBS Sports HQ on cbsportshq.com or all of your connected devices. Um, so, I mean, what, let's let's begin with uh, for Lowry, and we've got his story. We've got the performance. Uh, certainly, some highlights from Saturday. I'm sure we want to recap. But um, but weather, nerves. You know, what were some of the things, um, Kyle? You first. What were some of the things that impressed you the most from his Sunday? Well, and he said this after his round. Uh, it looked a little looked a little shaky early. Like first hole, I mean, and I thought this multiple times throughout the week. Like I go back to the shot on 18 on Friday, his first tee shot on Saturday, his first tee shot on Sunday, and and you start looking at it and you're like, is he going to be able to do this? You start thinking about Oakmont, you start thinking about him being up four, losing by three there to DJ, and then I I just thought like I I don't know if this is true. I don't know if he will say this. I thought the first I thought the bogey putt on one was massive, and this is the point that. I was sort of making on HQ to 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 Mark and the guys there is like F- Fleetwood never flipped him for more than or uh, for like more by more than a stroke a hole. So like he never picked up two on a hole, never picked up three on a hole. And I feel like that's that's sort of how you have to run somebody down when they're up that big on a Sunday. And uh, and Lowry just would never let him. You know, to me, uh, that, that that point that Carl makes about about the getting out of the first with a big save, that big bogey save, I think that was crucial to me. But there were a few things that stand out to me about Shane Lowry. First off, he has the big win as an amateur at the Irish Open, then turns professional the following week and misses his first three cuts promptly. And and to me, it almost looks like he's the kind of guy as you work through his career. He's had these big victories and these big successes, but he's had to figure out each level that he gets to. And I feel like every day he spoke of on round one being on that first tee, it's the most nervous he's ever been. Now, you you can triple, quadruple, multiply that for the pressure and the, what one feels on the final day. And he effectively played with a lead all four days. So it was very much a, a learning curve, a quick study for, for Shane Lowry. And, and there was this element of destiny about the thing. But the big deal for me was you know, the proverbial 15th club. We can talk about the way he struck the irons throughout the week. We can talk about the saves that he made. But the decisions that he made, uh, the, the, the savvy he used, the, the acumen and the shot selection, 
how he dealt with a rough and the smooth. He and his caddy, Bo Martin, I thought that was a masterclass in how they dealt with the pressure and the weather and all of these adverse conditions. And so what he did between the years, I mean, that for me was a, a masterclass, as I say. And, and, and he was a mental titan against a very sound field on a very difficult golf course under some horrendous conditions here on Sunday. Yeah, of the of the final dozen games or groups uh, throughout the afternoon, I believe that we had no scores under par. We had an even par from Tony Finau, an even par from Patrick Reed. And so even within that context, when you're watching uh, the course and the conditions, just take a big bite out of Justin Rose, take a big bite out of Jordan Spieth. John Rahm took his lumps before getting a birdie on the 18th. This was a, this was a day and an afternoon that was very, very difficult difficult to be able uh, to hold your golf game together. I mean, I think JB Holmes might've shot 120. I think he finished T67 on the leaderboard, but this to the 72 felt like a championship 72, given the conditions of the day. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. Kyle, go ahead. Well, and, and, and it was the second straight day. I mean, this, this is the crazy part. It was the second straight day that he shot the best score of anybody in the final four pairings. And so if you're, if you're, I mean, it's just impossible to lose if you're doing that on, on the weekend at a, at a major. And, you know, I, uh, Paul Azinger brought this up really late in the broadcast and I had, I had written it down as a note is that he, so he led the field in greens and regulation. He didn't drive it great. You know, he, he wasn't, it wasn't Jordan Spieth like, but it wasn't great. Uh, but he just kept pounding greens and he didn't bring double and triple and, you know, quadruple into play. And that was something that we saw. This is what Azinger brought up. That was something we saw from all four major champions this year. It was Tiger? I think I think he said Tiger led the field in greens regulation at Augusta. Brooks did it at uh, PGA, and and uh, Woodland I think finished second or third at at the U.S. Open. So I, I think it's even it's exacerbated at an Open Championship to hit to hit greens in regulation, and and Lowry did that throughout. Hey, you know, the st- you're about to drive all the strokes gained off the tee, folks, batty with that comment. Do you realize that? Because <laughs> everyone nowadays is talking about, you know, if you can drive the ball long and straight off the tee, you're going to win tournaments. You, if you drive the ball long and straight off the tee, you'll have the leg up on the con- uh, competition. You still have to finish the deal. And I've long been a proponent of putting the ball on the surface because golf is a game of probability. And Shane Lowry did a lot of that. And for me, just to add to your point, Kyle, uh, he, you, there was never a major hiccup. Under some adverse conditions, yeah. everyone is going to have the odd, the odd paper cut. You know, you're going to make a be there. But he never really got himself into trouble. There was the big save on the first, which I think was the catalyst to the entire day. It almost turned the momentum that you felt like Tommy Fleetwood had, given Shane Lowry's nerves. It turned very quickly. And from there, he had the leg up and, and he put the ball in position and he played his game, which is so hard to do under difficult conditions and then so hard to do when you're chasing down what is definitely a career-defining achievement. And for that, he, he deserves... Uh, multiple Guinnesses and a whole bunch of pets on <laughs> Well, Mark, how about this? You mentioned the levels to this throughout Shane Lowry's career. The um, you know you've got to find different ways to win and to overcome each of these humps as a professional. There is an element of destiny to to see in this win, and then there is an angle of horses for courses. You know, with him being familiar with Royal Portrush, with him having the success there before. 
So what what do you see from him now? Is this as a as a major champion now? Does he become uh, leveled up in your mind in terms of where he stands among his peers? You know the the greater the greatest group of golfers uh, in the world. Well, you know, us media folks and the fans are probably going to think as such. But but for Shane Lowry now, I would say if I was advising him, well, he can't because he's got to go go play a World Golf Championships event in Memphis. Um, I would say enjoy this. Because with all of these athletes and all of the great achievers, it's all about goal setting. Then you achieve the goal, then it's what's the next goal. We've seen Tiger Woods about this all the time. And now Woods said to us this year, he goes, I just took time away from the game to enjoy my accomplishment. And when you're a young player like a Lowry or McElroy or Jordan or whoever, you achieve this thing and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, what's the next goal? And now I've got to prove myself worthy of this major championship victory. I'm going to say to him, I've been close to someone who's been in that place. Enjoy it. You have achieved it. Go and live it. Go and make it yours. Go take it to heart. Because sometimes a lot of folks are like, wow, I won this thing. I can't believe it. And you heard him saying that. But I want to say to him, believe it. Because if you do, then you can use that as currency to developing and now potentially winning more big events. But if you go through this going, wow, I won, I still can't believe it. You know, it's almost like you're discounting this massive achievement. So I would say, who knows what the future holds for Lowry? But I'll tell you, this is one thing for sure. He's got good people around him. He sees it seems like he's got both feet planted firmly on the ground. Whenever I've chatted with him, he's a real easygoing sort. So I feel like he'll be like, yeah, we're going to go have fun with this. And, and now we'll just play the game with this free abandon that I do. And maybe things go f- my way once or twice more in big events. I think what's really interesting, I was looking back at some of his numbers, Chip, like his his uh, like statistics over the last few years, his strokes gain numbers. He's not, I mean, he's he's a good player. He's not, a, I, I wouldn't, like statistically, I wouldn't classify him as a great player, but now he's got a WGC, he's got a major. And I think what's weird about that is like, you look at guys like Fowler and Finau and Westwood, a lot of these guys, even this week that finish in the top 10 who don't have majors i I don't think any of them have a wgc i'm pretty sure none of them do Mm -mm, and it's almost like like you would almost prefer to be lowry in a weird way even though like i wouldn't say he plays as good of golf overall as some of those other guys like finau and fowler but he like when he's in it he's like in it like and 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 somebody was saying this earlier this week i think it might have been Andy Johnson on the on the Friday he's like look when Lowry contends he's he like contends like he's in it until the very end and he just he I don't know there's like a self-belief there I think that he's just gonna like shut it down and uh, we've seen him do that before we saw him do it at Bridgestone when it kind of got tight at the end and and we saw him do that this week obviously so it's a pretty cool thing and I don't know I just gotta say like the 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 thing up 18 like him walking up 18 that was that was unbelievable. That was so cool. You know what? I, I want to add to what you say there about Lowry closing. He is all in. Uh, there, there is, there's no doubt that this guy has a joie de vivre about him that is that is incomparable. I mean, he smiles big. He smiles easy. You could see how he almost let the moment of this um, huge achievement in his home country carry him to the victory, and he relished the crowds. He spoke very in a very human sense about how he wasn't going to not think about winning. I mean, that he's, he's human in a way. So when he's in position, he dives right in because he realizes, okay, I've got to take my chance. And I'm going to echo your point. 
it is easier, I think, to be Shane Lowry than Ricky Fowler, for argument's sakes, because he's not playing with the expectation of not only himself, but all of the fans around the place. Yeah. He's got a bunch of fans around the world, and he's that, that fan uh, compliment has grown exponentially after this week. But he's still just going to be him, and he's not going to occupy the headlines too much. But when he gets a chance, you know he's going to grab it with two hands. Coming up on the other side, we will be doing our stock up, stock down, brought to you by TD Ameritrade, taking a look at some of the golfers after their finishes on Sunday and how we project them moving forward. All that and more next. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. And now it's time for Stock Up, Stock Down, brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Coming off of the 148th Open Championship at Royal Portrush, it was a busy Sunday that saw uh, many of the world's best golfers take their lumps. But I want to begin, gentlemen, our stock conversation with the runner-up, Tommy Fleetwood. Fleetwood told the broadcast, you know, it's a little bit sore right now. You know, he mentioned playing with players who have gone on to win major championships. Certainly there was the belief at the beginning of the day that if anyone was going to be able to get Shane Lowry, it might be Fleetwood. Mark, I'll start with you. Are you going stock up or stock down after what we saw from Fleetwood this week at Royal Portrush? It has to be stock up, and and I take a very holistic view of the game. And, and this guy basically played beautifully for 63 of the 72 holes. The final nine holes or through the middle portion of the round, you could see he battled the golf swing, but he hung in there in very difficult, difficult conditions. And under the most immense pressure, he was a factor until very late. And so he's going to take this forward. He's a great ball striker. He's young. He's fresh. He's, he's, he's got a real handle on the putting. And, and I feel like the stock is up and he's only going to kick this on to more success. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought that – I thought – I, I thought it was actually pretty good because so I go back to 18 at Shinnecock and he shoots uh, what did he shoot final round 63 yeah. yeah yeah final round at Shinnecock so he shoots 63 and it's it's like man shooting 63 from the position he was in there it's just different like there's not as much pressure you're kind of just feeling it you're playing two hours ahead of the leaders whatever but to like hang in at an open when you're in the final pairing that's so hard and he, and he, and he did it, you know, like, I, and, and, you know, he took, he took chances late. Like he kind of went after some pins and it didn't go great. And so I, I think his score sort of isn't as indicative of, of how well he played throughout the week. And you look at it, uh, so he got beat by what six, <laughs> but he beat everybody else. He beat Phenom by two and everybody else by three. That's, that's tough. Like that's tough to swallow. And I guess my overall point is, 
you know, I think we look at some of these guys and say, oh, top five in a major, top 10 in a major. But a lot of it is like the back door, no pressure. There was that wasn't I don't feel like that was the case with him this week. And that's what you want to see from somebody who you expect to win, you know, multiple majors in the future. One thing that I love about Tommy Fleetwood in this performance within the context of the 2019 season is that if you talk to us in what March he had, I think he played well at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Uh, I think he played well at the Players Championship. You talk to yeah. us around there, we're like, listen, Tommy Fleetwood's going to get one of these. You know, the, the confidence is very, very high. Then all of a sudden we get into the stretch of the season. Uh, he never is really finding himself really up there in contention to win one of these tournament titles. And then to be able to see it here, uh, I, I wonder, and I'm sure we'll know more based on Tommy Fleetwood's performance moving forward, but I'm, I'm curious to see if this is a good sign of him uh, finding a little something late in the year after it started with so much promise and then things dipped a little bit in the middle of the summer. If I could just add to that with the Tommy Fleetwood conversation, to, and to get, but this is getting back to the human element that we talked about with Shane Lowry. This is a young man that his game went in the doldrums. He's come he hooked up with his childhood instructor. They they basically elevated his game to uh, the one of the top players in the world again. And he is a force every time he tees it up. He's got a little baby in the household too, and that changes stuff. You know, mm. you guys, when when kids are around, it's games. The game is different, and so managing time is different. And I feel like now maybe he's figured all of that out. And, and, and he's got his groove on, if you will. And, and so now he's got the personal life and the, and the work life and got all that stuff blended. And, and maybe he kicks that on to, to, to more success because he certainly has got every quiver, uh, every arrow in the quiver needed to, to win the big ones. So uh, our next spotlight for Stock Up, Stock Down, brought to you by TD Ameritrade, is going to be Dustin Johnson. A very disappointing Sunday. And Kyle, I'll start with you first. I wonder what the... What the read is on Dustin Johnson here at the conclusion of the fourth major of 2019? I was disappointed with his last two, Pebble and, and Portrush. I mean, he goes out. I thought he was actually in a decent – I thought him and Justin Thomas were in really interesting positions on Sunday because he went out before it got crazy. He was out, I think, three hours before the, before the final pairing. JT was like hour and a half, maybe 100 minutes, something like that. And – I think DJ finished his round before it even started really blowing at all. And he shoots a 76. Like what? Uh, I mean, give yourself a chance there. You know, I, I just, I don't know. Like as good as he was at Augusta and uh, then at the PGA, I just, I, I, I was disappointed with his last two majors. And I think the, the broader point is like how many seasons where you're like in your prime, like the middle of it, are you going to go without, without winning a major is he going to end his career with one i mean we're getting you know with him we're getting to the point where it's like where's the end of his prime is it is it a year from now is it four years from now i i don't know but we're definitely in the middle of it and he still only has one major i, I think that's a i think that's a big bummer for him so is that you going down oh yeah i'm stocked down on dj Hey, can we sort of go, I'll hold, I'm even on this, because as I look through what DJ's done, he had that victory down in Mexico that, that was at a canter. I mean, he played just in a different league compared to all of the top players that were there. And statistically, he's there still. I mean, he's fifth on the PGA Tour, strokes gain tee through green. He's fourth total. He's third strokes gain off the tee. The putting is okay. As I've watched him over recent months, there was... 
a split with uh, when Butch Harmon got out of coaching full time. I feel like that had a real effect on, on, on DJ and he was like, okay, enough already. And so he hooked up with a guy, Alan Terrell, who runs these golf schools and they were working on his game some, but the reports are that he connected with uh, Claude Harmon this week and perhaps that's a little bit of the Butch thing coming back. So I want to hold for a little while and see. But if we catch it just as a stitch in time right now, I would say stock down because the conditions today, they were playing right into his hands to really take advantage, and he didn't. But all that being said, I'm going to hold and just see because I feel like maybe there's some sunlight in the horizon. Right, and there's that thing that we do with golf's best stars where the game can look so easy when you're playing it well that therefore we set this expectation that you're going to be able to play it well all the time. And I think for Dustin Johnson in particular, it does come back to these major championships because when you have won uh, PGA Tour events as often as Dustin Johnson has, but then, like Kyle mentioned, only have that one major every single time, all four times. And, And there are only four per year. We all like to say that. There's only four of them, but when our eyes are keenly tuned in to what you are doing, when you are there within striking distance, and then the result on a Sunday is a 76, I, I, th- I think that that will, you know, the stock market is incredibly volatile and often will react, <laughs> will, re- will overreact to, to what happens uh, recently. And I, I think that the stock down or a stock hold, Mark, I'll take that. I, I can see why that might happen. Well, look, if we're, if, if we're not here to overreact, then what are we doing? <laughs> well, if I may real fast, just, sure. just chew on this for a second. He's still the second ranked golfer in the world. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he didn't pull it off and he didn't play well in the last couple. We played solid at the U.S. Open, but didn't do what was expected at the Open. But again, I'm going to chalk it up to the conditions because in Lynx golf, anything's likely to happen. You get on the wrong side of a bounce or you get a ball spinning in the wind and there's potential disaster on every stroke and the knife edge is really, really fine and sharp. So so I think it's a, a tough measure to measure someone on, on what today was. I mean, for goodness sake, JB Holmes led the field in driving accuracy and shoots 87 or whatever it was in the final round. And that has been Stock Up, Stock Down, brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Um, the... I did. I didn't want to necessarily include uh, the next next golfer in a stock up, stock down because I, I instead probably want to try to take what we've seen and put it in some context because Brooks Kepka, uh, with his finish here at the Open Championship, has now become the next to finish in the top five of all four majors in a single year. Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, and now Brooks Kepka. We tie it back to his success at major championships all the way back to 2017. And it is a body of work that, you know, even in just a, a three-year major run, is going to be among the most impressive throughout golf. So Kepka's very disappointed because, um, as he stated on Saturday, I'm hitting it better than anybody out here. Uh, he's you know very disappointed that he wasn't able to get a win here. But um, let's see, Kyle, for you first. How do you sort of get your arms around what Brooks Kepka has done through 2019 in majors, and then also again as we back up and look at what this run is uh, in terms of how it stacks up historically. Well, historically, it's, I mean, it, it, I, I don't, I don't know if you can give it enough attention. It almost feels like we're underrating it. And maybe that's just because he, he didn't win this week, but you know, he plays, so he plays four majors this year and he gets beat by what three guys, there are five guys. So he got beat by Tiger at Augusta. He got beat by Woodland at the U S open. 
He didn't get beat by anybody at the PGA, and then he got beat by Lowry, Fleetwood, and Finau at the Open. So five guys beat him in four majors. That's a joke. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. And I think for me, it just it's sort of <laughs> every year there's a guy I think going into the year where it's like, okay, this this is the guy to beat at all the majors. Doesn't matter where they're played. For for a couple of years, it was Rory. Uh, then it was DJ for a little bit, and it's kind of changed hands a little bit. And I think it has to be him going forward until otherwise noted. I mean, until until that until that changes for whatever reason, he and I saw the odds came out for the 2020 Masters. He's the favorite, and he should be because he's the best major golfer in the world. And like, if you look back on his week, I don't. I mean, I think he hit it pretty well. I don't know if he hit it the best in the field. Uh, Shane Lowry shot 15 under. I think he hit it pretty well, but I get. <laughs> I sort of get what he's saying, and like every time I looked up, he was missing a nine footer, missing a twelve footer, missing a fourteen footer, and we saw that at Pebble, and then it flipped on Sunday, and he and he almost wins. Like he he remember the stretch to start Sunday's round? Like he he made like five birdies and seven holes or whatever, and you're like, oh my gosh, he's gonna make everything, and then he sort of faded a little bit, but. He just didn't – that never really happened at Portrush, and he still finished in the top four. And I, I thought I thought the bounce back after the four-bogey start was actually kind of impressive because it's so easy just to check out there and be like, whatever, man. Like, I'm out. Like, I'm down nine with 14 holes left. This thing's over. And then he almost holds it on, on uh, five. He almost makes a one on the par four there and uh, kind of bounced back the rest of the way. But, yeah, historically, it's, it's, uh, it's almost unprecedented in what he's done this year. Uh, you know, Brooks Kepka is a beast. Uh, he's the number one ranked golfer in the world for good reason. He's played well in all the the high points earning events. And, and you know, the conversation with Kepka always is like, well, he, he checks out, to use your term, Carl, playing in the regular events. Um, he just doesn't practice and prepare as hard. But when he gets to the majors, he's found a gear mentally and emotionally that few folks have ever been in. You, and and you, you look at the glitterati of the game, the Nicholas's, Palmer, Sam Snead, Gary Player, uh, Tiger Woods, Nick Felder, the sort of crowd that when they got to majors, they understood exactly what the examination was, they understood exactly what they needed to do, and they understood exactly what was likely to happen. Now for Kepka, he spoke at the US Open of the fact that he didn't enjoy Poanio Greens at all. He, he's a better fast green putter. And the greens this week, they kind of mitigated what he was able to do with the greens being a little slower. And they were slowed down for the final round at the open, um, which was smart given the heavy winds that were blowing. And so I think the slower greens kind of showed up a little bit and caught him out. But as far as Brooks Kepka goes, mentally he is a titan. Physically he's obviously strong as an ox and he hits the thing a mile. And the, the, the level of self-belief that he currently has and the gumption – that he has to make statements and call people out. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw social media or caught some of the uh, the post-round comments. I mean, he flat out lit JB Holmes up for the pace of play thing. <laughs> and he went after one, one of the rules officials. Apparently, he walked past the rules official on the one hole and pointed at his wrist as if to say, you should be timing this lot. So he has got a, a, a sense of self-belief, a sense of gumption, and, and, and that sort of thing that that – immeasurable that's off the charts and you add that to the copious skill he has off the tee and the strength out of the rough and such you know this is a recipe for success and and as long as he keeps up with the self-belief that he does i mean i feel like the future is going to remain as bright uh will gray just tweeted this out 
he said that Kepka in his post round said when it's <laughs> this is about the JB thing. When it, Kepka said, when it's your turn to hit, your glove is not on, then you start thinking about it. That's where the problem lies. It's not that he takes that long. He doesn't do anything until it's his turn. Uh-huh. That's the frustrating part, but he's not the only one that does it out here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a beauty. Can, to put yourself in that place, and all the folks listening to this, to think what sort of cojones you're going to have to get up and say, and call someone out in the world's media. This is a guy that is operating at the height of his game on every platform, and that's why he's a force when it comes to the biggest events. He's got it's a fair. Awesome. He's got a fair complaint, though, right? Well, oh. it also it also doesn't help when you're shooting 87. You're not. You're never. <laughs> you're not playing quick. <laughs> you could. You could be like the fastest player. You could be Kepka, and if you're shooting 87, it's going to take forever. Chip, I got two quotes real quick that I'd like to get some reaction from you guys about. Uh, the first is this was Lowry and his presser. He said, "Man, this is this is like heavy and kind of awesome." He said, I suppose I woke up this morning not sure if I had what it takes to win a major championship. Wow. Wow. I feel like you don't you don't hear that from guys. And well, let's I don't know about him. I mean, this 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 guy, it's it's why we love Rory McElroy, because Rory almost is honest to a fault. People critique the, the the professionals in every sporting code because you get platitudes from them and they and, and they 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 tell you the they sp- they speak the talking points. Where yeah, Larry's like, man, I'm not sure if I'm going to do this. But the truth of it all is, if we were in that place and anyone's in that place, you never know and you never. There's so many unknowns all the time and and especially in links golf. So that was real, man. And I think that's why his legend is going to grow even more and he's going to become so much more popular. Mm. Hey, let it be known, by the way, that that Mark brought up Rory and not me for the first time. Um, <laughs> and then the other one, so that was from Will Gray of Golf Channel. The other one's from Brendan Porath. He said, he said, uh, Lowry just described a scene where he was crying in his car in Carnoustie, in the Carnoustie parking lot last year after the first round of the Open. And then here's the quote from Lowry: "Golf is fickle like that. My golf wasn't my friend at the time. What a difference a year makes!" Wow. Pretty awesome. I've got to tell you, in my house, my sweet wife, Tracy, we have a couch that she dubbed when I was teaching full-time and working with golfers around the globe on the PGA Tour and the mini tours. She called it the crying couch because there were so many young aspirant professionals that were battling their way around the mini tours that were running low on funds and show up for lessons and she'd invite them into the house and feed them and house them and and all the rest of it. And the next thing, it becomes a counseling session on on the couch Golf is real, man, and and competing at the highest level is real. It's not all sunshine and lollipops. And and there was an anecdote that was shared earlier this week too by Rory, who spoke of you know in his opening foray as a professional, he was in Malaysia after missing a few cuts. I think it was, and he said he got back after missing the cut on a Friday evening and sat on the end of the hotel bed, eating Pringles from the hotel mini bar and crying, uh, you know, and, and sort of contemplating his fate. And so it's a it's a tough deal, and and. And, and these are still human beings as much as what they look like superheroes. So what about uh, anything else from, or what else is on y'all's notebook? Mark, maybe you, you first. Any other uh, player or storyline that you want to make sure we spotlight here before uh, wrapping things up? Not really. I, I, I just think we need to really give kudos to the RNA for having the vision to take this event to Royal Port Rush. I think we got awesome. so much credit to the folks, the fans. Um, I was asked yesterday evening, and, and Kyle was there. Eric Casilia said to me, he goes, 
So tell me about this. You know, we're in Northern Ireland. Um, you've got an Irish guy and a, and a British guy, and they're competing in the final group. He goes, this could get nasty, given religious <laughs> and political um, disagreements of just a few short years ago. And, and, and I think the fans were tremendous. I think they were they were all, everything was all class. The golf course was incredible. And so for me, it, it was a home run by all involved. And, and I think um, Shane Lowry's victory was somewhat destiny in a, in a funny sort of a way. Yeah, I thought the, I thought the course was unreal. Uh, what 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 hole like leaving the week? What was your like? What hole will you miss watching the most, Mark? Like what what were your, give me your like one or two favorite holes? Number five, man. I, yeah, that hole was so cool. And and I, I watched early this morning as I know you didn't. You were seeing the early coverage and it was playing downwind and guys were taking a cut at the green and, and hitting a good shot and the thing gets on the wrong side of a mound and kicks out of bounds behind the green. You know. A lot of folks who don't really get the game will be critical of that. And I'm like, that is Lynx golf in a nutshell. You yeah. saw Tommy Fleetwood coming down the stretch. I think it was 14. Yeah, 14. He's, he's clipped into the lead some. He's got the honor on 14T, wind off the right, and he laces a three-wood down the fairway. I mean, this thing was perfect. And it was 3.30 to get to a bunk, and he hits it in there. And that turns into a double bogey, and that effectively ices the thing for Shane Lowry. You've seen that so much. Greg Norman had that happen at uh, at Troon, I believe it was, when Kalk won his first one, where Norman hit it into the unhittable bunker down the fairway. It's just the game, and golf is a game played in the air and on the ground, and there's rub of the green involved, and it just makes our game so great. And, and so a whole like five just highlighted every characteristic of what I think a golf course should should ask. Yeah, five was, five was my favorite too. I loved – five was maybe my favorite – major hole of the of the of the of the year like wow. of 2019 okay mm. i mean statement not non-augusta division i guess because we go there every year but i would go five here i would probably go like six at pebble and then maybe seven at pebble. come on seven too yeah so well seven's great but uh and then <laughs> maybe 15 and 17 at beth page i thought we're we're both awesome Mm-hmm. Uh, but five, five was cool because, and I love that they moved the tees up, like you said on, on Sunday, because it gave you so many different options. If you're in the lead, like Lowry, you could leave it short. If you weren't like Kepka and Fleetwood, you could go for it, have an Eagle putt. But then if you move it back, the long guys can still go. I mean, there's just so many different, it, it, it was fascinating. I love 16 as well. 16 was crazy. Yeah. It was so hard. And, and there are a lot of different shot shapes that you saw hit into that, you know, Fowler and, and Lowry are hitting these like low cutting bullets. And then you see guys hit these big like hooking draws on Thursday and Friday when the wind is different. It, it, that was a really cool hole. Um, I don't know, Chip. The only other thing I got, I guess, is Westwood gets in the Masters. That was awesome. Yeah, it so is. He, finish, he finishes T4, top four, get an automatic invite into Augusta next year. And he was, he's not qualified. He was not going to, well, I mean, he has plenty of time to play his way in, but now he's definitely in. That's a cool week from him. He's, he's, uh, he's been a relevant golfer. He's been a great golfer for a really long time. And he sort of highlights, you know, the thing I said earlier about, about Fowler and Finau, it's almost like, there should be some like award for like remaining in the top 10 or top 20 in the world for five, 10, 15 years. Like I, I get that everybody's judged by majors, 
but to play the level of golf that go, that those guys play for that long a period of time is, I mean, it's astounding. And, uh, so that, that was a cool kind of, uh, parting gift, I guess, for Westwood, uh, for the week that he had to get into Augusta next year. Hey, speaking of, if, if I may real fast, I'm going to use your term parting gift. I'm an announcer deep down. And so, you know, I watch my, my colleagues closely and I listen and I, I try and pick up and learn and, and Dave Fierty is, he's the gift that just keeps on giving and <laughs> the call of the week. Yeah, I think it was Friday afternoon and JB Holmes was on that very 16th hole and they've got the top tracer technology and, and, and when it comes on, the producer will always get in your ear and go, okay, when you see the, the logo mentioned top tracer technology and so you sort of, we sort of know the drill and so JB hits this thing that is knee high to a grasshopper. Okay. I mean, it's barely off the ground. And Fairty takes a look and goes, that's not a top tracer. That's a bottom tracer. <laughs> <laughs> it was the call of the week. It made my open championship. I'm still giggling about it. And so I, I, I had to give him a nod. That was genius. Yeah, a, a good nod. It was a, a fine broadcast all around. Well, fine work here, gentlemen, and all over CBS Sports HQ and CBS Sports 8. CBSSports.com. That's Mark Immelman. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thanks, Chip. Thank